Welcome to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. I am proud to introduce to you today your home for honest sports analysis that you won't hear anywhere else. All from a group of friends that met at Troy University. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And here's your host, Hampton Sipper. Welcome in to another edition of the Trojan Tailgate Network's SEC Recap Show. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I am joined every week by my good friends, correspondent at large, Graham Haney, Wode Suave, and usually we're joined by the King of Hot Takes, Auburn Shepard, but he is out on assignment tonight, so he will not be joining us this week, so... My guys, Graham and Suave, are going to hold, help me hold the fort down. How are y'all doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing pretty good. Honestly, I won't miss having Shep here. He, he better have some good stuff to bring to the table next week whenever he's back with us. Uh, Suave, you had a good week. Uh, you know, SEC football, lots of up and downs. What do you think? Oh, yeah, man. I, I had a great week. Uh, lo- love watching a little SEC football and we're ready to recap some of these games and pick some of the games we get to look forward to this week. What about you, Hampton? I'm doing great, guys. I'm excited to discuss the past week in SEC football. And honestly, I think we uh, found out who is going to be the winner of the SEC East after this past week. And, you know, that'll be a perfect segue, perfect transition to the game of the week. Florida versus Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Mm-hmm. Florida then is the favorite. I picked them to win. Um, I think, Swab, you picked them to win, correct? Correct. Correct. And Mr. Graham and Chase joined us last week, uh, who's usually on our NFL show, and he picked Georgia as well. And Florida came in there, got down early, 14 to nothing, but then went on a 38 to seven scoring run and ended up winning the game 44 to 28. So Graham, I'm going to start with you, man. Um, you know, you can discuss Florida a little bit if you want, but I think Georgia needs to be the uh, focus of the conversation. Is Kirby Smart proven that he's never going to consistently win big unless he modernizes his offense and picks the right quarterback for once? in his coaching tenure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the biggest thing for Georgia going forward is you got to have a more dynamic offense. Um, you, you see that Georgia always has a good running back, and they hand it off to him a lot. Um, you know, Zamir White had over 100 yards uh, against Florida, and you know Florida doesn't really have the best defense uh, nope. in SEC either. And uh, when you look at it, it was – 14-14 after a quarter, and it was like, well, okay, you know, these are these teams are uh, neck and neck. And then the second quarter, Florida jumps on them, and uh, Georgia's defense was just – they seemed to be playing from behind, uh, even giving up 14 points in the first quarter. It seemed like they were playing behind the whole game, knowing that if it was a, a high-scoring game that their team wasn't going to be able to win. And, uh, yeah, Georgia's defense really fell apart in the second quarter, 
um, you know, three touchdowns and uh, a field goal in the second in, in one quarter is uh, is a lot of points to give up. Um, they rebounded in the second half, uh, gave up a field goal in each quarter. But uh, man, I think the biggest thing that we can all talk about and the biggest issue we see from Georgia is they they have no quarterback. I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you see Stetson Bennett. And then uh, Dwan Mathis, like these are two guys that, uh, I mean, th- maybe they light up the the radar. You know, maybe Dwan Mathis lights up the radar gun, but I don't really see much about Stetson Bennett. <laughs> um, I, I don't really see much of anything in him, uh, especially when you have a uh, a five star guy um, uh, like the transfer from USC that they have riding the bench. Uh, JT Daniels. Yeah. JT Daniels. That's right. And uh, I think that the the biggest uh, – I, I don't even know. I guess the biggest uh, takeaway and biggest idea that I I saw, the biggest thing that I saw uh, coming from Georgia was uh, Dewan Mathis uh, warming up to come to the football game. And what does he do? <laughs> he hits the water boy and doesn't hit the receiver. Just warming up. Like he can't even hit a guy on the sideline. And he's not moving. Um, man, Georgia's quarterback room is really, really bad. Um, if they couldn't, run, if, if they didn't have such good running backs and uh, such a good offensive line, uh, man, I, I don't know if this team could could score hardly any points. Uh, Suave, uh, I know I picked Georgia to win and was very disappointed, but but you picked Florida to, to win against Georgia. Um, what was your biggest takeaway? Is Florida kind of taking the next step to to take over the SEC East, or is uh, this just kind of a, a fluke year from Georgia whenever they figure out a quarterback? That's a very good question, Graham. Uh, I do believe you, you hit the uh, nail on the head just talking about Georgia's defense. Like, I, I'm looking at Florida. They scored on five drives – that took under three minutes and 24 seconds. And four of those drives ended in touchdowns and one ended with a field goal. Mm. 31 points in five drives under three minutes and 24 seconds. I, I mean, something has to something has to happen with the defense right there. They're scoring on big gains. And, you know, Hampton mentioned it. Georgia started out 14-0. And, and when you're watching the game, you're like, okay, one team came to play this game. When's the other team going to show up? And the other team showed up real quick. Uh, what's your thoughts on the game, Hampton? Well, before I get my thoughts on the game, I know uh, we discussed kind of our predictions. And uh, this week, uh, our good friend Shep had a good idea to open up our pick to the listeners out there. And um, shout out to a guy named Rick, as he so perfectly put it, a.k.a. dad for uh, – <laughs> Come helping, on, Rick. For helping us out. Come on, Rick. Come on, Rick. Um, for um, I think he was perfect too in his predictions. So shout out the shout out to Pops on that one for getting the predictions right. But getting back to the game, um, Georgia, I think they got up and then they kind of got out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Why in the world did Samir White? He goes for seventy-five yards. And then after on the first play of the game, and then you only give him six more carries the rest of the game. Mm. 
says that. He's averaging 15.3 yards a carry. Yeah. Um, when you know good and well that Stetson Bennett is not capable of throwing consistently enough to go blow for blow with Kyle Trash from from Florida. Like, why did you why did you do that? Um, I, like, I don't know what the game plan was. I don't know if they saw something um, in the first few drives that made them think they had um, a couple matchups, a couple advantages with um, throwing the ball down the field. But especially with George Pickens out, um, and I think Burton got banged up at one point, who I think personally is their best receiver, Jermaine Burton, number seven. Um, I don't know what they were doing on offense. Defensively, they did not look good at all. Um, but that kind of happens when you lose five or six starters to injury. I mean, I know everybody, you know, every Alabama fan out there you know, groaned and moaned last year when Alabama's defense went up the par. Well, that's kind of what happens when you lose five or six starters. No matter how much depth you have, there's going to be a drop-off, and it's going to be apparent. Um, and it bit Georgia in, in the rear end in this game. But here's, here's an issue with Georgia. And this isn't just a 2020 issue. It's an <laughs> issue for the past three or four years. Kirby Smart has consistently shown he cannot manage a quarterback room. <clears throat> so 2016, he gets to Georgia. He has Jacob Eason, hot shot freshman, um, who came in, leads into an 8-5 and five record, plays pretty well. And I think we can all agree Jacob Eason might not be the best quarterback in the world, but he has a ton of talent that with the right coaching, with the right development, can be a very, very good player. Got a bazooka for an arm. Like I, he, he doesn't just have a gun. He doesn't have a rifle. That guy's got a bazooka for arm. Yes, perfectly said, Graham. All right, then you go to 2017. Easton gets hurt in the first game, okay? And they put a guy named Jake Fromm in there. Jake Fromm uh, plays pretty well, but then goes to Notre Dame, beats Notre Dame on the road, and it's his job. Well, Jake Fromm, really good quarterback, very good at being a game manager. Um, He's good enough to win you games that you're supposed to win. But – at some point, Easton gives you the bigger upside because of his just his raw natural ability. All right? So, Kirby stays a little to from, which I get. That was kind of a hard decision to make, and I, I, I understand that one. Flash, fast forward to 2018. Jake Fromm is not playing as well in his sophomore campaign as he did his freshman campaign. And you got a guy by the name of Justin Fields backing him up. Number one quarterback in the nation, elite 11 winner, dual threat, powerful arm, um, and elusive quarterback. And the way that they utilized him that year was basically used him as a wildcat quarterback. Didn't give him really many meaningful snaps. And it was apparent anytime you watched Georgia when Fields got in, he might not have been ready um, earlier in the early in the season to be um, an elite starting quarterback. But by the end, he was far more talented than Fromm. And I think long-term, you got to go with the guy that gives you the best chance to win, not only this year, but for the years to come. All right? 
So you don't do that. Instead, you run him out on a fake punt in the SEC championship game on fourth and 11 and make him look like an idiot um, <laughs> throwing, you know, throwing a pass or trying to, um, you know, sneak one over on Nick Saban. So you kick him off and he leaves. Then 2019, you really don't have any, you know, you really don't have anybody uh, behind Fromm to kind of challenge him. So he leaves because he's ready to get out of Athens and get away from that situation, um, even when he's not a highly drafted quarterback. Fast forward to this year. I know we're doing a lot of fast forwards, and I know this is taking long, but I think this is worth talking on and chewing on for a minute. He gets Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, suppo- who Georgia fans claim, number one pick, all the talent in the world, he's going to lead him to a national championship <laughs> game. Jamie Newman doesn't even make it to the halfway fall camp before he opts out of the season. Okay? Why? Can you all tell me all the reports out of the Georgia camp where he was the number one quarterback, clearly, and he was going to start? Then why did he transfer? Maybe because Kirby made some empty promises? Like, hey, I don't know, called a USC quarterback in JT Daniels and said, hey, if you come down here, you can win the job. After you had told Jamie Newman that the job was his. That type of, those type of empty promises can come back to bite you in the rear end. And Kirby has consistently mismanaged the quarterback room to now the point you're stuck with a guy named the mailman. (laughs) Nickname is the mailman to um, be your starting quarterback. And then he plays terrible, and you put DeJuan Matheson, who after Newman um, opted out, was supposed to be, you know, the next best thing. And uh, he was going to be a number one round pick. And he looked um, just like a deer in headlights. Um, And here's the issue for Georgia. JT Daniels, I don't know if he's not healthy. I don't know what the deal is. But if he's healthy and he's not playing, JT Daniels is going to be gone this year too. Mm -hmm. So that's three quarterbacks that were all really elite talents that you've run away from your program. And if you kept Justin Fields, I guarantee you, guarantee you last year, imagine Georgia with that defense they had last year and Justin Fields is their quarterback playing LSU in the SEC championship game. Might have been a little bit of a different story than the 38-10 drumming that they got. <laughs> so I don't think um, – I think Kirby is a better recruiting Mark Ricks. They have identical records through the first 50 or so games in their career. And I'm telling you, Georgia fans are impatient. If he doesn't develop a quarterback in the next year or two, and if their offense doesn't look like it's in 2020 – instead of looking like it's in 2008 next year, they're going to be fans calling for him to be removed. I know that sounds crazy with the recruiting and um, on-the-field success that he has had, but it's, it, it is a recurring problem that has cost them um, not only games, but I think a really legitimate shot at the championship. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I know that was wrong, but I had to – I was I had to make the case, you know what I'm saying? No, I haven't. I, I think you're spot on. I, I agree with every point you made. Um, through the years, Georgia's had uh, good quarterbacks come through their programs, and whether that be through injuries 
uh, or transfers. They they never seem to come to fruition and uh, get the best out of their quarterback room. Um, I still don't uh, – I don't really know why uh, Jamie Newman uh, transferred to Georgia just to sit out. No one does. But no one does. here's what I'll tell you. That was the best move that Jamie Newman could have made. He, he, <laughs> he transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia and instantly becomes a first-round draft pick like in discussion. Like – Yep. I mean, he was a yes, he was a pretty good quarterback at Wake Forest, but it was just like, oh, well, Kirby Smart thinks he's a good quarterback and can play at Georgia. He he should be a top five pick, and you know, Heisman, mm-hmm. Heisman front runner, and and all this stuff. I, I think that you're right. I think that uh, you know the the quarterback room is Georgia ha- has been their their biggest problem. They have uh, consistently had good receivers, fantastic running backs, a, a massive. Uh, refrigerator-sized offensive line. Yep. The defense has been great. Uh, I, I just – I think Georgia needs to – Georgia needs to make a splash on the offensive side of the ball, and they need to do like a – do what LSU did and find a Joe Brady. Find somebody that's really just going to wipe the slate clean and completely different yep. what you got. I, I think that Georgia – I mean, more of a – it's more of a pro-style offense, but you don't have a pro-style quarterback. I mean, you, you look at – uh, you know the mailman. I mean, he he doesn't have the <laughs> he doesn't have the really the arm to make you know those tight window throws. Um, he he's like a a you know a worse version of Aaron Murray. I mean, at least Aaron Murray won. You know, Aaron Murray was game. pretty good in college. Yeah, at least he, he he wasn't clutch, but he he won most of the games. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I think that Georgia really needs to to make their offense more dynamic. It's it's just not. It's not fun to watch, and it, honestly, if you're a Georgia no. fan, it probably hurts to watch. I mean, you just know that if uh, if your defense doesn't practically uh, pitch a shutout, then then you're not going to be able to play. But uh, man, over the years, it, it just it goes to show. I mean, Kirby can recruit a quarterback; he just can't keep one. And if he recruits a good one, he can't develop one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think they have a a a pretty good uh, quarterback commit coming in. Uh, this next year, or Brock Vandergriff, yeah, yeah, Brock Vandergriff, he's a five star, and, and I think that you know all, all your points were right, and even um, like with Dewan Mathis, like Dewan Mathis, you know, was not undervalued, but it was kind of like a guy on signing day that was like, man, Georgia got a really good guy, a really good quarterback yep. in Dewan Mathis. You know, got the arm talent, got the size, you know, can run around a little bit, and he, what does he have? He's got all that stuff, but he doesn't know how to use it. He, he can't throw an accurate ball. He doesn't make good decisions. Nope. Um, yeah, I, I think that that just man, it, it's tough to be a Georgia fan. <laughs> it's tough to be a Georgia yeah. fan knowing that you could have had uh, Justin Fields, that you could have had Jamie Newman, that you have JT Daniels sitting on the bench. Yeah, you know, I, I you're you're losing to Florida. Um, you know. 44 to 28 and you don't even give that guy a shot i mean you yep. don't give him nothing uh suave or are me and hampton uh overreacting uh to the georgia quarterback problem or is that the is that really the problem that georgia's facing you know is, if they just had a better quarterback and a better system that they would actually uh, compete for championships that's a very good question no you are not overreacting uh, i mean but- Y'all made valid points, and you can go back and look at what Jacob Eason did when he transferred to win, 
to Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, those years he was in the running. I mean, against Oregon for the Pac-12 championship with the defense they had. And then again, you fast forward, look at Justin Fields and what he's doing at Ohio State. I mean, Hampton pointed out, if Justin Fields plays at Georgia last year and they play LSU, man, that'd be a game to watch in the championship. Does LSU run the table and beat them and go to the college football playoff and beat Clemson? Or, Or does Georgia upset and they get in and maybe they go beat Clemson? Yep. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about Georgia, and we got to give Florida credit. I mean, Kyle Trask went 30 for 43, 474 yards, four touchdowns and a pick, 97.4 QBR. Uh, played incredible. Dan Mullen had a great offensive plan, utilized the running backs out of the backfield really well. Um, utilized Cal Pitts before he got the absolute crud knocked out of him um, by Lewis Seen, um, the safety for Georgia. I don't think I've seen a hit <laughs> that bad in a long time. That that was that was rough. But um, that Florida offense is probably um, top, you know, top two in the SEC. Probably them and Alabama are neck and neck, mm-hmm. which make which. With this win, Florida all but locks up the SEC East crown, and they'll be seeing Alabama in Atlanta hopefully December 19th, and that is going to make for a compelling matchup that I can't mm-hmm. wait to discuss that down the road. But um, Florida, Florida, with that, Florida has a favor- go ahead. I'm sorry. Florida has a favorable schedule going forward too. I mean, uh, yes, they Arkansas, do. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, and then uh, LSU. So they, they can – can easily win all those games and um, go to the SEC championship and meet uh, Alabama and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yep. I, I don't see I don't see Georgia topping them at this point. We can go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Graham. Great point. Great point. So with that, we're going to kind of we'll go real quick through the other games um, this past week. We had. Mississippi State beating Vanderbilt 24-17 in what could contend as the ugliest game <laughs> of the year. Um, I'm sorry if you suffered through watching that, but I tried to watch like a minute or two of it, and it was too much, too much for me. Just ugly, ugly football. Mm. Got uh, the Texas A&M Aggies won 48-3 over South Carolina, and there's some uh, rumors floating out there that Will Muschamp might not be at South Carolina too much longer. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. And another coach on the hot seat, uh, another Saban assistant, Jeremy Pruitt, man. Tennessee has fallen off the wagon. Um, they are in a, a tailspin mm. with their season, traveling to Fayetteville, losing 24 to 13 to um, who I think is the coach of the year in the SEC. Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks, 24 to 13. Mm. Um, that was pretty much the week in the SEC. And then lastly, before we kind of move on to players of the week, we talked about Notre Dame and Clemson just briefly at the end of last week's show. And I think I picked Clemson to win by 17, 17 plus. And I thought a big reason for that was Travis CTM. Well, Notre Dame – 
Um, that is the best that I've seen Notre Dame play football in a long, long time. They were more physical than Clemson. Uh, Ian Book had an absolute incredible game. And, you know, Clemson has a quarterback of the future in DJ Ukulele. That's what I'm going to call him. I can't pronounce his last hey, I, name. I, I, here, um, let me interrupt you, Hampton. I figured out, I figured to out how to say it because I, I like saying the names right. DJ Ua Ungalele. Ua Ungalele. Yeah. There we go. Graham, appreciate that fact um, <laughs> check, or that, what, spell check, whatever. It, you it, it's say. just a fun name to say. Ukulele is really close too, so I'll take it. Yeah, um, but he played great. But I think this game kind of proved to me. I don't know about y'all. I mean, we can we can briefly talk about Clemson at the end when we give our um, top four teams in the playoff at the end of the year who are projecting to be there. Clemson's defense and the Clemson wide receiving core is not what it has been in the past four or five years. And I think that kind of puts a ceiling on their team. And why I think – do I think they win the game if Trevor Lawrence is playing? Yes. But I still think it's a really close game due to the other problems that Clemson has on their team currently. So uh, we'll kind of talk about them here in a little bit, hopefully with the top four projected seeds at the end of the year for the college football playoff. But with that, we are going to transition into impact players of the week. So, Swab, tell me who your impact player of the week was um, and a brief um, excerpt about why you chose them. Okay, uh, I won't go to with Bumper hey. uh, from Arkansas. Fourteen tackles, sixteen solo, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, and one QB hurry. When you shut out Tennessee in the whole second half, you got to give credit to the defense. Like, it. what's your impact? Play, I, I just want to point out that uh, if you go back to last week's uh, last week's podcast on the SEC one. I, I talked about a guy named Bumper Pool that played for the Arkansas defense. Yes, you did. Um, so you did. Uh, I, I just want to point that out. They're great pick, Suave. Uh, I couldn't have, have said it better myself. Um, I, I'm kind of having trouble between who I want to pick, uh, but I'm going to go to Texas A&M regardless. Um, it's a toss-up between uh, Kellen Mon and uh, Isaiah Spiller. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, – to Isaiah Spiller, he didn't get any touchdowns, but had 131 yards on the ground on 18 attempts, which is uh, an average uh, rush of seven, almost seven and a half yards. Um, Kellen Mond stole all the touchdowns for uh, for Isaiah Spiller, but uh, it was just a great game by A and M. They really just they really whooped up on uh, South Carolina, and uh, especially at home, that's mm-hmm. when South Carolina usually plays the best. Whenever they're playing in in Columbia, they keep it close. But man. Texas A&M looks legit, so I'm going with Isaiah Spiller for my impact player of the week. Hampton, who made a difference this week for their team and why? Great, I'm great pick, Graham. Um, A&M has been on a tear ever since they lost to Alabama, 52 um, to 28, I think, or 52 to 24. Excuse me. They've looked really, really good. Kellamon has played incredible, and I would argue that they are more than likely the second or third best team in the SEC. Um, I think if Florida and them played again, I, I would probably take Florida on a neutral mm-hmm. field. But um, A&M has really impressed me over the past few weeks. So, 
Great pick. I'm going to go with Felipe Frames, another Arkansas guy. 18 for 24, 215 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he has really provided a spark for that team. His ability to throw the ball down the field uh, for explosive plays has been huge. And, you know, he was kind of the catalyst for them coming back against Tennessee. So Felipe Franks would be my guy. Um, you know, I it would be easy to pick Kyle Trask, and I think he obviously deserves some love and some credit because uh, he had an incredible game. But kind of wanted to go off the beaten path a little bit and uh, give it to Felipe. So great picks, guys, and um, it'll be interesting to see, hopefully, if not too many more games get canceled, <laughs> um, who, who uh, will be our impact players next week. So we're going to go to the pick portion of our show. And, you know, unfortunately, this happens uh, with any football schedule or any sport in general. You sometimes have a week of games that just aren't – they're not very spectacular. So we're going to run through these really, really, really quick um, – so we had time to talk about our top four um, playoff teams. So I'm going to just go rapid fire. I want uh, who you got winning and by how much. And then there's one, you know, there's one game that I want you to give me your key to the game on. Um, and we'll hit that, that one last. So Georgia versus Missouri. Uh, Graham, who are you picking in this I, one? I'm going to take Georgia. I think Zamir White has a huge game. Uh, Georgia by 17 points. Suave. Georgia, Missouri, who you got? Give me Georgia by 10. Hampton, what about you? Give me Missouri by mm. three. I don't like it. I feel like Georgia's in a tailspin. Po- George Pickens, rumors that he might have got dismissed from the team for getting in a fight with the coach. Mm. Um, there's some other players I'm hearing that are – uh, not satisfied there. So, hey, I, I don't know, man. I'll say this, know. George Pickens, that guy knows how to fight, especially in games with, against Georgia <laughs> Tech. See, you know, he, he throws the guy into a wall. You can't take off the helmet. You can't throw hands, but you can throw him into a wall. Uh, better watch out if you're a coach on the Georgia team. He's also good with a water <laughs> gun, you know, squirting that Tennessee player on the sideline. So, if you got a water gun – Gunfight coming up. George Pickens I think is your that's guy. Been my favorite part of the year so far. That that is the most twenty twenty college football like thing I've ever seen. I it really is. enjoyed that. Uh, it ahead. is. <laughs> oh man! Uh, next game we got Vanderbilt versus Kentucky, uh, or Vanderbilt traveling to Kentucky. Some swab. Who you got in this one? Give me Kentucky by 10. I'll Grant, take Kentucky by uh, 20 points. I think they're just going to be able to run all okay. over, all through, oh. all everywhere and around Vanderbilt's defense. Um, Kentucky by 20. Hampton, who you got? Give me Kentucky by 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, they're they're just going to be able to out-physical Vandy, run all over them. Um, I'm with you. Uh, next game we've got – the Aggies of A&M traveling to Tennessee. Graham, uh, who you liking in this I one? I think that Kellen Mond will keep building on his previous performances. Isaiah Spiller will have a big game. I'm going to take Texas A&M by 31 points. 31 points for A&M. Woo! <laughs> 
Goodness gracious, you're confident in that one. I like it, brother. (laughs) Slav, who you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with A and M on this one, and I want uh, give me by 17. And just a shout out to their offensive line. Uh, yes, everyone who rushed the ball last week, they averaged over five yards a carry and only gave mm. them two quarterback hurries. So um, I'm sort of with Graham. Not gonna take them by that much, but for sure A and M. What about you, Hampton? Give me A and M by 21. Give me A and M by 21. Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's in a free fall right now. And I don't, I don't know where it's going to end up with them. They're going to make a coaching change or not. Um, but there's some, there's some deep issues there. So I like A and M in this one. Uh, we would talk about Auburn, Mississippi State, but COVID um, has run rampant in the Bulldogs' locker room, uh, more than likely because they have nothing to play for, and so they don't <laughs> care as much uh, about following protocols. So um, that one has been postponed to the. December 12th. Um, as of right now, Alabama and LSU is still on. I'm not feeling very good about it, uh, but we're going to pick it anyway. So, Suave, you got the tide or the Tigers? <laughs> uh, give me Alabama if the game's played. Hopefully it is, but give me Alabama by 17. I, I'm, I'm taking Alabama as well. Uh, LSU doesn't know who's playing quarterback. Uh, honestly, I don't know if LSU has a quarterback. Uh, I'll take Alabama by 27 points uh, on the road in uh, in uh, Death Valley. Hampton, uh, we already know that you're going to pick Alabama. How big is Alabama going to win by? And what honestly, I want your key to the game for this one. What's the what's going to be the key for Alabama's offense or defense? Um, well, I've got Alabama winning by 34. Um, I saw one projection today that had Alabama winning 73 to 28. Um, that would tickle me to death. That's a lot of points. That would tickle me to That's death. That's a lot of points for LSU to score. <laughs> That's a good one, Graham. That is a good one. Um, but I, I got Alabama winning by 34. I think LSU has no choice but to play TJ Finley at quarterback because all their other quarterbacks are either hurt or in quarantine. <laughs> so He's going to start for them. They have no tight ends, no long snapper. Um, so they're in a world they're of trouble. Punt- I think the key – they're going to be what? They're going to be punting out of shotgun formation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they are. A lot. Um, TJ Finley might have to do some extra um, leg presses to get that leg warmed up for uh, mm. Saturday. Uh, the key to the game for me – um, it really isn't even about Alabama winning the game. It's about Alabama getting a third, a true third receiver to pair with Devontae Smith and John Mechie. Um, I think Slade Bolton's more of a, a jack-of-all-trades type mm-hmm. guy. Um, and I'd, I'd like to see one of those freshmen kind of step up and um, really exert themselves. And I know I've said it all year, and he's been so close so many times. Will Anderson, <laughs> give me a sack. Get, put him on the ground one time. Just one time. That's do, it for Hampton. do it um, for Hampton. Do it for Hampton. Do it for me. Hey, you know he's from Hampton, hey, Georgia, go. so he can technically do it for me and do it for his – so um, that's my key game for that one. But I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, Lots of tiger way. blood. Lots uh, of tiger South- blood. Lots of tiger blood. Yep. 
Um, South Carolina, uh, who is in a world of trouble, too, uh, with their current situation culture, uh, traveling to uh, Oxford to play the Ole Miss Rebels. Graham, the fighting Lane Kiffin's going to get him, or uh, is Will Muschamp going to yell boom enough and yell at his players enough to get done? I'm going with Ole Miss. They play in Oxford. South Carolina, not the best uh, road team. I'll take Ole Miss by uh, 10 points. Man, I got all these games in double-digit differences, so these might not be any good games at all. But, uh, yeah, I I think uh, Matt Corral and Ole Miss will will figure out how to carve up the South Carolina defense, and South Carolina's offense just isn't – they just don't have the firepower to match. Uh, Suave, Ole Miss or South Carolina – I'm gonna go with Ole Miss on this one. Give me Ole Miss by 21. I think the reason Ooh. we can pick these games in double digits is because I mean we're over halfway through the season. We we're starting to understand which teams mm-hmm. are real and which teams are fake. So who, who you got in this game, Hampton? I've got Ole Miss by 13. Um, the only my only concern is that South Carolina can run the ball on them, um, but I don't think South Carolina. And stop a good nosebleed. So give me Ole Miss in this game. And I want to amend my Missouri Georgia pick. Oh, give me Georgia. Come on. I just yeah. I I can't. I can't. I can't pick Missouri just because I don't think they have dudes. But I would be tickled and would not really be shocked if they beat Georgia. Um. So I just had to put that in there for my own. For my own record. Um, (laughs) The final game of the week um, and the most interesting game of the week, game of the week, is Arkansas coming off that big win against Tennessee, traveling to Florida, traveling to the Swamp, and facing the Gators, who just came off a big win against Georgia. Graham, give me who you think is going to win and score as usual. But I want one key to the game from you, and then uh, I'd like to hear what you got to think on that. Or what you yeah, think I, on that. I, I'm going to take uh, Florida at home. Uh, this is the most intriguing matchup of the of the SEC week. Um, I, yeah, which is sad. Which is sad. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Florida by uh, 14 points. Um, I think that uh, Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen just too much going on there. Uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, also saw where uh, Arkansas head coach uh, Sam Pittman has tested positive for uh, COVID-19, so it'll most like, he'll most likely not be uh, in Gainesville with the team. If he is, then uh, not on the sideline unless yeah. uh, something changes between now and, and Saturday. Uh, the difference in, in the game to me uh, is going to be turnovers. Uh, who, who's able to – uh, create turnovers and uh, score on those possessions and, and take advantage of those opportunities. If uh, if Arkansas can do it, I, you know Felipe Franks might just uh, stir up something neat uh, in his old in his old stomping grounds of uh, uh, of, of Gainesville. But I think that uh, Florida's offense is just a little too much to handle, especially for an Arkansas defense, which I, I kind of like uh, with you know Bumper Pool, who's like the favorite name to say in college football. Um, so, uh, like I said, I'll take uh, Florida. Uh, I'll take Florida by 14 points. Suave, Arkansas, or Florida in the swamp? 
You know, I've been going back and forth with this one pretty much all day today. And give me Listen. Florida by seven. No, I th- boy, no, you th- thought had me thinking you were going to pull the upset on me. Well, you, you know, Grant mentions about Sam Pittman getting the virus. It, it, if he's not there, I think that's going to affect them. Uh, affect him big time, but I think the key to the game is going to be Arkansas's defense. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game, mm-hmm. probably in the 20s, mm-hmm. but I think Florida wins by seven. And I'm going to say the key to the game is Arkansas's defense. Stop Stopping Florida and putting Felipe Franks on the field. What about you, Hampton? Um, give me Florida as well, and give them – give me Florida by 10. The reason I just – I'm – a little scared that Florida is going to have a letdown after that big win against Georgia. Um, to me, that would be a very Florida thing to do. Um, and this game kind of reminds me of when the Florida back in 09, when they were really, really good and had Tim Tebow quarterback, Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin, um, all of them boys that were really, really good. That team went to the SEC championship only lost one game all year to Alabama. But on October 17th, they played Arkansas, who wasn't that good of a team. They were three and three at the time, or three and two at the time. And they only won 23 to 20. And I remember um, I went to the Alabama South Carolina game where Mark Ingram ran for 246 yards and pretty much won the I was Heisman actually that, that game. I was at that game too, Hampton. Um, I was at that game. Graham, no it way. Was Look at that was the first the Alabama game I ever went to. Uh, yeah, that was a really fun game. I'm sorry, I just had to say that. No, that hey, that's worth chiming in, bro. I love that. That's awesome. Um, but I remember going past like some tailgating, and Florida was in trouble in that game. And you know why they were in trouble that game? They turned the ball over four times. Um, Graham, I think your point and your key to the game about turnovers is huge. Um, if Florida doesn't protect the ball. I think Arkansas could sneak up and get them. Um, but I do think Florida just has more talent than Arkansas. And in the end, uh, they had their eyes set on a Atlanta and that SEC championship crown. So give me Florida by 10. Um, that was great. Great pick them, guys. I know we didn't have a lot of great games to kind of preview and go over. but I, I'm just, um, And they were pretty straightforward. Try- but. I'm just trying to go, go undefeated this week. I ain't gone undefeated any week. So I got to go undefeated one week. Hopefully this is it. Hey, bounce, bounce back! back. I got, man. I got to earn the points. Exactly. Well, hey, why That's not? Right. Why not this week? Why not? Right. Can it be? Um. Well, we're, we're real quick before we kind of get out of here. We wanted to talk about the playoff discussion. Uh, we talked about Notre Dame beating Clemson and how big of a deal that is, not only to um, the SEC as far as you know getting a second team in in the playoff, um, but also just, you know, Clemson and Notre Dame are more than likely going to rematch or have a rematch in the ACC championship. So we wanted to go through who we think as of right now is going to be the top four teams at the end of the year and go to the college football playoff. So, Swa, I'll start with you. Give me your top four teams and a brief reason why you have it that way. Okay, so my first team is going to be uh, Alabama. Start off from four and go mm-hmm. all the way to one. Make it interesting. Oh, I like it. I like it. 
All right, so my fourth team is BYU. Ooh, the Cougars. Uh, it, it, it is a very interesting pick. I, I know their schedule is not favorable, but, I mean, every team they play, they, they have mm. destroyed. Yes. They have put the points on them, and that quarterback is amazing up there. Uh, really making the case for him, you know, him being maybe the second quarterback off the board, you know, um, depending on what Trevor Lawrence does in Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, my third team is going to be whoever wins the ACC championship between Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, both teams uh, are going to have to win out to be able to get there, but whoever wins that game uh, is going to be my third team. Then Ohio State is going to be the second team. Uh, as you see in the Big Ten, uh, I think their biggest challenge was Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, I don't believe, has played a game yet. They played one. Uh, just played one game. And, and the other two have been postponed or canceled because of COVID restrictions. Yep. So, that was their biggest challenge. And you see Michigan. Michigan's 0-3 in Penn State's uh, 0-2 or 0-3 as well. And then my number one team is Alabama. Uh just plain and simple. <laughs> what about you? I, I, I like all I like those it. picks. Um, my my last two out that you know they always like to talk about. Um, you know they're six five. You know and then they get left out in the top four, make it in. Uh, my last two out are going to be uh, the loser of uh, the uh, ACC championship game, and I'm actually going to do three because. It's just going to be hard. BYU is also going to get left out. They've been putting points on every team they play, uh, but I don't think they've really yeah. faced a team that is worth uh, – that there's a notable standing uh, um, all season. Um, and then a team that I would love to see make the playoff would be Cincinnati. I, I think that Cincinnati uh, is – they have a really yeah. good team. I would – if if they came in at the number four spot, I would not be disappointed at all. Uh, but I think that the playoff committee is going to have A and M uh, in the four spot. Uh, I think that they just keep playing better and better and better. Their only losses to the number one team uh, in the polls right now, which is Alabama. Uh, so their their schedule looks really good. Um, uh, so at number four, I have A and M. That, that's who I, th- I, like I think is going to be I like there. It. Like I said, I wish they'd give Cincinnati a shot, uh, just because if there was ever an American team that was worth that, that was really that really could compete with the top dogs, it would be Cincinnati. Uh, the three spot, I, I'm like Suave, the the ACC champion. Um, I think that that's going to be Clemson. I, I think um, in the ACC championship game, uh, which I, be- I believe it's in Charlotte. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In yes. Charlotte, I think that Trevor Lawrence uh, and the Clemson team, they really put it to Notre Dame. Uh, they figure out what they did wrong. Uh, Notre Dame's a tough at- atmosphere to play in, uh, especially when you have a true freshman uh, backup quarterback going in there. Uh, I-, I think that Trevor Lawrence makes a huge difference uh, for this team uh, going forward, and especially in the ACC championship. Uh, number two, uh, I have Ohio State. Uh Justin Fields and this Ohio State team, by far the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, there are some other interesting teams in the Big Ten. Wisconsin had a great first game. Uh, Graham Mertz playing quarterback, uh, fantastic. But with the Big Ten's COVID restrictions, uh, he'd have to miss uh, three games, which is uh, really going to just 
tank Wisconsin season, and Indiana has actually been playing pretty well. Uh, but uh, yeah, but three and uh, man. But Ohio State by far uh, the best team in the Big Ten, and then number one, of course, I think there's no doubt about uh, who the best team in the country is at this point right now. It's Alabama. Uh, the defense has uh, figured out, you know, what, what needs to be done after the old Miss game. The offense consistently there week in, week out. Uh, they had a bye week uh, this past week, so I, I expect them to, to put it on LSU and be fresh going forward. Um, so just to recap, Alabama one, Ohio State two, Clemson at three, and then Texas A&M at four. Hampton, who are your top four? And maybe give me one or two teams that are going to get left out of the uh, left out of the picture. Yeah, I'll start with those teams that I that I think are very very good that I think are going to get left out. Um, first being BYU, kind of like you, um, they they just don't have uh, that impressive schedule, that strength of schedule um, that these other teams who play in major Power Five conferences have. But they have really really impressed me. Um, I mean, they've eviscerated everybody they played. Their quarterback, Zach Wilson, um, is looking like a top three, top four quarterback. And the Heisman contender. I think they're – and the Heisman contender, yep. Um, They're a tough-nosed football team, very physical. Um, I really – I mean, I really, really like them. Uh, The second team that will get left out is A&M. A&M's been playing great football. Since uh, they lost to Alabama, as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, they got a good running game with Spiller and um, Anaya Smith. And Calamont has really, really come on. Uh, he's playing a lot more consistently, uh, throwing the ball down the field well, and doing everything that Jimbo asked him to do. So they would be my second team out. Uh, so now we're going to get to number four on my list. It's going to be Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is going to finish the regular season undefeated and lose to Clemson in the ACC championship. And I think they're going to be number number four. I don't think you can discredit the win that they had against Clemson this past weekend and then, um, you know, make if they lost to Clemson again in the ACC championship, say, oh, no, you can't you can't be in this when Clemson lost to them earlier. So um, I think I've got them at number four. I have Clemson at number three. Um, do their one loss. Um, I don't think they're going to lose the rest of the way because their schedule is a cakewalk. <laughs> uh, but what's new? So give me Clemson at three. Ohio State's going to be number two because again they don't play anybody. Um, in the Big Ten, I mean, Michigan's one and two. Penn State is zero and three. Um, got Penn State got absolutely embarrassed by Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Talia Tungvaluwa, after that horrendous first game, has played outstanding football for them. Um, and I think they're kind of a frisky little team that can make um, make some noise in that conference. But I don't think I don't see anyone challenging Ohio State, so I have them at two, and then get you know like you said, give me Alabama at one. Defense is getting better and better, I think, and that offense um, is probably the best in the country. So I think it's Alabama. Um, 
clearly number one, unless they lose to Florida. And if they lose to Florida, then we've got a really interesting mm-hmm. uh, scenario with um, how the teams will shake out. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, so, but I think that was a great discussion. I liked how we had, we all had different lists of how we think it's going to kind of shake out by the end of the year. So, um, it'll be exciting to monitor as we kind of go down this final home stretch of the season. I, I agree. Yeah, about to say, I, no, I agree. I, I think yeah. that it's going to come down to the championship games. If, uh, if Clemson comes back and, and beat Notre Dame, and they tie that series. It, it's going to be hard to keep. Um, it's going to be hard to keep both of them out, or at least one of them out. Um, I think it'll depend on how the game is played. If uh, you know Clemson goes and embarrasses Notre Dame, uh, then you know I, I think you might kick Notre Dame out of consideration. Um, but if Notre Dame keeps closing loses or Notre Dame wins, I, I think it's very interesting. This is honestly probably going to be the toughest year. Uh, to to be on the playoff committee yeah, just yeah. because uh, the schedules are starting at different times. Teams are playing uh, only conference games, so it's really hard to compare, uh, you know, this conference to that conference. You know, usually there's an ACC-SEC matchup, and you can kind of compare uh, how things go from that or a Big Ten, Big 12 matchup. I, I just think that uh, – I think that this year is going to be really tough because you're going to see uh, – a few undefeated teams and a few one-loss teams that are going to be uh, really, really good. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. Honestly, uh, I hope that we're all – I hope that I'm right. I hope that we're all close, but you never know. There's still a couple more weeks of football, and uh, with, with COVID-19, you never know how things will shake up, especially if uh, one team is not able to play in an SEC or ACC championship game. Uh, you know, we, we just – we don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it play outs for sure. And that's what makes college football so great is each and every week any team can be beat and throw a wrench in the whole thing. That's um, why we love this sport. That's why we cover it each and every week here on the Trojan Tailgate Network. And, uh, guys, that was a an excellent show. I think we uh, covered Florida and Georgia really well. Um, and made uh, a great case for each of the playoff teams that we think are going to be standing by the end of the year. So, um, guys, if y'all are listening out there, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network handles where we post um, our show links and we post when, when the shows are coming out. And we started to try to be a little more interactive on those social media platforms by posting, um, you know, our pickums and, you know, some other poll questions. And we'll get into the other poll question that I asked about NFL on the NFL pod that we will record later this week. But for Graham and Suave and our boy Shep, who went in here tonight with us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to listen and share with your friends, and we will talk to you all next week and enjoy another week of SEC football.